Welcome along to episode 3 on season 2 of News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast. He is Daniel Kelly. And I am Oshin Langan. You can get me on at Oshin Langan. You can get him on at Ismisha Daniel. Of all the SSE Electricity League podcasts out there, this has been described as one of the three that happen on a weekly basis. That's correct. But uh, we decided we weren't going to match the others for quality, so we've gone earlier in the week. Yes. If you get in first, you win half the battle. Exactly. Um, today we're going to look back and forward. We're going to look back at the weekend just gone. Do and we have we're to? Going, yes, we do. And we're going to look ahead to the weekend coming. That's Dan's way of telling you he's a Sligo Rovers fan. Uh, hard to know where to start, but um, I guess it's got to be with Limerick, who hammered Sligo 5 1. A great atmosphere, by the way, at the Markets Fields. <laughs> So a great atmosphere in Limerick. I can't wait to get there. You know that? It's now that they're winning, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they were back in the first division and losing, I'd yeah. have no interest. I will say I got there about 15 minutes before the game on Friday night. I put up a picture on Twitter. The queues were massive outside Markets Field. What kind of venue is it? Uh, it's an unusual venue. It's a nice venue. It's new, but it still feels there's room for scope that more can be put in. There's a nice stand, which was the Greyhound stand which is the main stand. Then there's a, a stand behind one of the goals for the away fans. And then there's a grassy bank on the far side of the field. That's where the camera is. Ah, oh, so it's kind of old school. But yeah, new school at the same time. Correct. Like, it's very modern. There is scope there for a second stand uh, if uh, Limerick feel the need for it. And then at the far end of the pitch, which is where they scored uh, many goals on Friday night, that's uh, sort of, it's left open for the moment. But okay. there was a big Limerick crowd, uh, a decent enough Sligo Rovers crowd, but I have a feeling there may be a smaller Sligo Rovers crowd at the next away match. Well, we'll hear from Hattrick hero from Limerick, Rodrigo Tossi. He's their Brazilian signing. Uh, but yes. what about Sligo? They have done dog next, as you've mentioned, Dan. Michal Schlingerman told Ocean FM, they really do need to bounce back at home to the champions. Nothing really went right for us from the start. Obviously, conceding an early goal was the starting point, and, and from there it was an uphill battle. Um, I suppose we probably panicked a small bit, and we tried to get back in the game probably a little bit too much, um, leaving ourselves open again to con- concede again. And Three goals in the first half, going in at half-time, 3-0 down. Um, it was uh, it was tough to come back from, unfortunately. It's, uh, like you said, not the start. After having worked so hard over the off-season and, and in pre-season, um, you want to get off to a good start. Um, you want to reap, you know, you want to give the support or something exciting uh, for the season ahead on the first first day. You know, they've, uh, they've worked hard all week and, and spent a lot of money to travel down to Limerick and on Unfortunately, we, we didn't give them anything to cheer about um, during the whole game, really, you know. So in Michal Schlingerman's own words, they let people down no more than themselves. So what was the journey to Sligo back like, given the horrendous night that they had just had? It was definitely, definitely quiet. Um, we had a look through the through the goals conceded and that. Um, and obviously, yeah, I can only speak from my own point of view because I didn't really do too much talking around like that, but... It was just uh, just one of those feelings where you don't want to talk to anybody. You want to get yourself home to bed as as quick as possible. And I suppose me going home to Mayo, I, I was lucky enough to get home an hour earlier than everybody else. But again, like that, it's two sleepless nights. Probably didn't sleep till early in the morning, and then you're getting broken little, probably nodding off during the next day, and you're not sleeping right because you're obviously thinking about the game. Michal Schlingerman, there, not the first Mayo man to return from Limerick broken and defeated. No, he's not. Uh, I assume you're on about that game in Gaelic rounds. Yeah, the All Ireland semi final. I'm actually impressed that I get yeah. a an, an obtuse GA reference on this podcast. It's not I'm obtuse. Right. It was an All Ireland semi final. How yeah. is that obtuse? I was busy that day. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, do you like shade throwing? 
uh, <laughs> go on. <laughs> We've got some of that coming up. Dundalk started as they mean to continue with the 2-1 win at uh, home to Shamrock Rovers. But um, what was it that most pleased Stephen Kenny? He spoke to Airsport, who obviously had the game live. And that's where their association ends. They do not do a podcast which comes out later in the week. I think players showed their character. And that, 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 was, that was evident, I feel. And no more so than Kieran Kilduff. You know, you know, been ruled out, really. Uh, early in the week and, and insisting on playing himself and and getting and uh, and and getting the winner, so it was a big big goal for us, and uh, so we'll take that. It was a game with plenty of needle, played at a, at a high, highly intense pace. Uh, Rovers really put it up to you. I expect that you'd be pleased with the character shown by your players. Yeah, character and the discipline. You know, we can easily you can easily get caught up in that, and I think it's a. You know, we can't underestimate the value of discipline and not getting players sent off. I think that's important for us. Oh, did you hear that? Not getting it's players. important not to get players <laughs> sent off, Shamrock Rovers. Well, I think Dundalk did well to control themselves by not tackling an opposition player and then jumping into a stomach feet first. Yeah, right in front of the referee. Yeah, a good player was a Burke who got sent off. Yeah, but an absolutely idiotic thing the to thing do. Is, he, he let's not let, sorry. He, let's not patronise him by saying, "Oh, well, it was a heated battle and these things happen." That was stupid. He got them back into the game three or four minutes earlier. Yeah, with a fantastic strike. Yeah, lovely goal, oh, and oh. it was just. Like Graham Burke, he made a name for himself getting the goal 10, ten minutes later, yeah. five minutes, not even five minutes later, less than that. Tackle, it was a iffy enough tackle, but then to just jump in, feed first, like, what the hell was he? I know uh, Brian Kerr was commentating on it for the channel, the show shall not be named. Airsport. Airsport, but he, like, he was, like, Kerr was apoplectic with yeah. what happened. We're okay with naming the channel, we just don't want to mention their podcast. Oh, sorry, which okay. we've now done twice. Yeah. Um, so that was some shade throwing by Stephen <laughs> Kenny. Uh, he was really mean girls there, wasn't he? He really was. You know? I think he's one of the League of Ireland Plastics. He doesn't even go here. Ronan Finn got a warm welcome on and off the pitch, uh, exchanging either? words with some ex-teammates. Although in the League of Ireland, it, it tends to be the case that no matter who you play against, Everyone's you're coming an up ex-teammate. against ex-teammates or your ex-club. Yeah. I get dizzy trying to figure out who who's has played been for where, and where and when and who played together. Anyway, he's been talking about uh, that, but first, their performance overall. Yeah, I thought we uh, started the game quite well and I felt we were on top for the first maybe 20 minutes. Then I think Dundalk and Fairness to come into the game and they started playing the ball about. They got um, they took the lead and you know going behind here is always difficult. Um, it's a difficult game in Fairness, um, but I thought in the second half we rallied. You know, we when we went down to two 0 I thought we still you know we stood up. And we stayed in the game. That's what you have to do here. We got our goal. And, I mean, I think we're unfortunate, maybe at the end, not to get a, get a point. Yeah, it was a game with a lot of needle. We uh, particularly saw a lot of ex-Dundalk players maybe flying into tackles with Dun- current Dundalk players. Words were exchanged between yourself and Stephen O'Donnell. Do you want to tell us what was said? Oh, that's football. I mean, Stevie, you know, two players that know each other well. But, you know, when you get on the pitch, you want to win. And no, absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? That's, you want, I want to win the game. Stephen wants to win the game. That's football, it's going to happen every day of the week, you know, on the street, everything, you know, people want to win the game and uh, listen, the dog, the dog won today, you know, we look forward to playing them now on Tally. Oh, yeah. Fight hear that? Fight and talk there. Players talk to each other and they meet on the street and they play on the pitch and one team wins and one team loses. Fighting words from Mr Finn. But he kind of told you everything without telling you anything there, yeah. didn't he? Ah, no, nothing was said, nothing major. But well, we can't uh, wait to get them back to Tala. Yeah, something's, something's which is, going on there. Which is also a home game for Dundalk. True, it is. That's yeah. where that's where they've had their most success. Exactly. Derry opened with a magnificent 4-1 win 
at Bohemians who have Rovers up next. As always, manager Kenny Shields was worth listening to and he spoke to our friends in Drive 105 Match Night Live about confidence and who the best team in the league really is. And I'll give you a hint. It's not Dundalk. It's not Cork. But they are Munster-based. And it's not Waterford or Cove. Derry 2-1-2, two, two, you boy. Can get his head up way across to Schubert. Tries to put it on, breaks out to Schubert. Schubert falls in and makes it 4-1 to Derry City. It is raining. So, Kenny, the aim was to get uh, three points in the first game of the season. You've achieved that here at Denham Park. Yes, and that is, you're right, that was the aim. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we got some confidence from it in terms of you know, the latter stages and how we matured during the game with a very, very young team, two teenage fullbacks brought on another teenage centre-back and you can see the longevity that's in front of us with the development of the team and they will get confidence from that. I don't want to knock their confidence too much but it wasn't as good, anywhere near as good as we can be. Just to finish up here, next week we've got Limerick up in Bonkrana. Uh, Limerick are a good team, I've said it all along and you know, the investments they've made is to get into Europe and, you know, they're getting their just rewards because of that investment. But um, And they're the best team in the league. I said it at the minute, they're the best team in the league. There's no one can touch them and uh, we just want to try and get something from next week's game against them. It's going to be very tough. Teenage fullbacks so hard to beat. <laughs> Every time they walk down the street. I did think of that actually when yeah. he said teenage fullbacks, they're hard to beat. Yeah. He knew what he was doing he there. He knew exactly what he was doing. Praying homage to a Derry legend. Uh, are Limerick the best team in the league? I don't think so. They're top. I saw them well, Friday that means night. They're the best team in the league, Dan. I saw them Friday night. I do not think they're the best team in the league. Oh, they're going to ram those words down your throat. They really are. Sure, uh, we, can, we can tell Rodrigo that later. Exactly. We'll be talking to Rodrigo Tossi. Also. We'll be talking to Athlone manager Colin Fortune on their surprise win against Waterford. They beat them 1-0. Uh, but also on what exactly is happening with the club regards its ownership and the investments that have gone in. A couple of uh, Portuguese and French players yeah. ha- have arrived. No I one is quite sure why that's happening or how that's happening. I think Athlone made League of Ireland history in the last few days that L'Equipe, the excellent French uh, sporting newspaper, uh, revealed that three players from a lower division had joined Athlone. Uh, this was released by Lakeep before Athlone had said so themselves. So is that the first time yeah. a League of Round transfer has been uh, has gotten the exclusive in Lakeep? There is a bit of confusion there about really the situation. Anyway, let's talk about Cork City. They fought out a win in tough conditions at Finn Park, beating Finn Harps 1-0. Thanks to a Shawnee Maguire goal, John Caulfield says he'll take it, even if the performance wasn't stellar. We have, to, we have to go and win games, and and uh, we have to win games. And you know, you come to a venue like here where the pitch is borderline. Is it playable? Is not? It's probably not. You know what I mean? In the bigger scheme of things, because you know, you look at it. You know, these type of pitches are you don't have them in the country much much anymore. You know, but at the same time, you have to deal with it. And uh, you know, the game was borderline when it would go ahead. It did. We knew it was going to come up, and uh, our lads dug in and. You know, some days it's not about pretty football, but winning three points and taking the responsibility, and that's what we did. You know? There were two pitch inspections in Finn Park before the game went ahead, and of course, Maguire's goal just before half time, given the win. John Caulfield, even though they got the three points, is he making excuses there, saying that there's not pitches like that in the league anymore? I don't think he's making an excuse for the performance. He is having a go at the pitch, basically saying, I don't want my players on this. Now, I'm making yeah. an assumption for him there. I'm literally putting yeah. words in his mouth. Well, I'm not literally putting words, words in, in his, his mouth. mouth. I am just putting words in his mouth. Yes. Metaphorically. But they got the but win. That uh, first night of the season, long trip up to Valley Buffet. Exactly. And those are the well kind earned. of games 
that they struggled in last yeah. year. I actually put that to John in, I think, our first or second preview show. I can't remember Listen which. Listen back to them. They're still there in Newstock.com. Exactly. They are. They're pretty relevant now, though. And I said, look, y- you struggle to beat the lower teams. You actually yeah. did great against Dundalk. I mean, head-to-head, you won the league against Dundalk. But it was the likes of Sligo and Finharps that kind of caught you out. Yeah. But, as I said, it's a well-earned three points. And, yeah. Well, that's your way of saying you're not quite sure where we're going, but it's okay, Dan. I know. Galway lost at home to Drogheda, one nil. The final score. Shane Keegan was um, he was pretty irritated after the game because they missed a number of chances in the first half. Definitely good to be creating those chances. That said, second half was a very different kettle of fish. Um, as I say, you know, our stats were showed eight one in favour of us in the first half. It showed three one in favour of them in the second half. Now that's you know that's a cause for concern, all right. So it is, and uh, we're going to have to have a good look at that and see why that was the case. He wasn't particularly happy there, Shane Keegan, when he was speaking to Galway Bay FM. A poor start for Galway, losing a home game. Yeah, uh, Keegan first match in, trying to get a big crowd into MNDC Park. They would have put this game down against Drogheda as one of the ones they would hope to win at the start of the season. Obviously, we don't know how the league will finish, but we'd expect Galway and Drogheda to be pretty close to the bottom half of the table. And first night of the season, a new manager bounce, you'd expect Keegan should have at least got a point out of that game and it's a very disappointing start for Galway. By the sense of it, they got the bounce in the first half but not the second. They did, but they lost the game. And they were playing into a very strong breeze. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Uh, will we do more on Limerick? Seeing it was, it was their yeah, weekend. and they talk about Limerick. Sorry. Yeah, well, Rodrigo Tossi, he was a late arrival, wasn't he? He was. He uh, arrived last month and he only got international clearance to play, sadly, on Friday morning and did he enjoy his... League of Ireland debut. I saw a stat. It was uh, on the excellent history League of Ireland account from Carl Riley. And if I just get it up here in front of me, he said that it was uh, Tosi's hat trick was the first, yeah. uh, the first on the opening night of the Premier Division in how long, Oshin? I don't know, maybe 20 years? Uh, 2000. Eric Levine got wow. four for Galway United against Finn Harp. So Tosi is the first player to score a hat trick on the opening night of the league, and that came from Carl Riley from the History LOI Twitter account. Eric Levine, of course, uh, of course. brother of Avril Levine, of <laughs> course. Uh, okay, <laughs> look, for Limerick, it's a great start. Part of their story is their tie in to the local media. There's a guy, Mike Ahern, in Live 95 in Limerick. He's one of these guys I know of him, I don't think I've ever met him. But I really like how enthusiastic he is about Limerick. And I like that Live 95 and Limerick are, are going along with that as well. They're a really good sporting station. They do most monster games. Obviously, they have a big interest in, in GAA as well. Uh, but Limerick haven't been an easy brand to follow in the last couple of years. But they, they really have got in behind them, especially last year when they started winning. And this year, they're back in the Premier Division. This is, this is just an example of the enthusiasm that's there for Limerick through local media because I often think that kind of mirrors the it interest. Is the key, yeah. And, yeah, and it's the same in Waterford at the moment with the kind of regeneration, if you want to put it that way. This is the promo Live 95 ran before the game on Friday night for their coverage. So here it's we go. Back. Upbeat. The tension. The fans are looking at the Here's Mike. Just, this place is going to erupt. The Limerick and the passion. Should we still keep on talking over? Oh, yeah. Let, let it okay, play. Let's, uh, yeah, let us play for a while. Listen to this. Turner could make something of this. Heavy enough touch, but he gives it back to Sean Kelly. Kelly looks up, takes a shot. Yes! Listen to this part. Market's Limerick FC start their new season at home to Sligo Rovers on Friday night as Martin Russell's side seek the perfect beginning to life back in the Premier Division. Paul O'Donnell and I for full commentary from the Marcus Field Stadium where there's a kickoff time of 7.45. Limerick FC are back in the big time. Proudly supported by Limerick's Live 95 FM. It's over and out here from the Marketsfield. It's a historic night for Limerick. 
So that's just a sample of it. If they did yeah. that game live, does that mean they didn't do the Monster Scarlets match? Oh, that's a very good question. Ooh. That's a very good question. Well, it's not like we have any way of finding this out. We don't, but uh, <laughs> it was a weird night. I we couldn't just ring them and ask. I got into a taxi to go to the game in, uh, I was in red. The people I was with were all in red. And the taxi driver started driving over the Shannon to brace the thumb park. <laughs> in the end, we got to Marketsville in time. But yeah, we were on the way to Thelmond to see Monster. I think they lost the Scarlets. They did. They didn't even get a bonus point. Did they not? And that's right. Oh. I was supposed to actually be doing that game, but really? I wasn't well. You're working well. That's I okay, wasn't actually. well. I made Congress the next day, all right. And <laughs> of you did. in the football. <laughs> and Kerry and Monaghan in the football on Sunday. But When's there the go. last time you missed a Congress? Um, actually, two years ago. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, Congress isn't always as sexy as it was this yeah, year. Obviously. On many occasions, it's quite boring. I'll tell you who isn't boring. Rodrigo Tossi, who got the uh, hat-trick. We've been talking about him. The Brazilian we, bombshell, we're going to call him from now on. That's right. Well, he joins us now. Uh, welcome along to News Talk's SSE or Tristy Lee podcast, uh, Rodrigo. We've been talking about the atmosphere, and here's just a, a sample of some of it, some of the Limerick fans chanting away during the game on Friday night. Rodrigo Tossi got those fans shouting even louder throughout the game with his hat-trick. Rodrigo, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to everybody. Um, talk to us about your first night for Limerick it could not have gone much better a hat-trick in a 5-1 win against Sligo in front of a full house almost at the markets fields no it was lovely it was really uh, we, we, we know that will be a difficult game uh, we didn't know that will be like uh, with this there are so many goals you know but uh, we work hard this whole Months, you know, since from the beginning I'm here, I'm working really hard, and uh, with the help of all lads, we could do really, really well, and uh, <laughs> a little bit unexpected. Rodrigo, you you joined Limerick from a team in Indonesia last month, but your your international clearance only went through for the game on Friday morning. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I was really scared, and I couldn't play, you know, because on Thursday evening. They told me that um, you know you have a chance to to, to get the transfer done, but uh, you don't know it was like fifty fifty still uh, waiting for them yet. And because of the the, the difference of the time, uh, we would have have to wait until the next day. So the just the the, the morning of the the match day, uh, it it was happening. You know, and uh, you know I was really excited to to, to play that. How difficult is it to prepare for a game? As you said, you went to bed in Limerick on Thursday night hoping you would be able to play and then you wake up Friday morning, you get the good news that you're able to play and then you go on and have such a brilliant game scoring a hat-trick against Liger Rovers. How, how, how difficult is it to prepare for that? Well, to be, to be honest, I was preparing for, for, for a long time, not for the match. So this was something that might happen and know that the transfer will not come. So I was... I read focus or concentrate for the match, for the first match, you know. I knew that would be uh, something different that I never experienced before, you know, because I didn't know exactly how it's Ireland League. But uh, I tried not to think too much about the transfer. That's it. You know, even if it was a difficult night, I tried not to think too much. That's it. Um, I've no doubt you had many options. So why did you pick Limerick? Why did you move to Limerick? To be really honest, um, Joe Gamble, the fitness coach here, I play with him in Asia, and uh, he explained to me everything here. He explained the city, explained the team, even the the, the staff here. You know, I know how he works, 
And uh, I know that for sure you're going to to have a great year here uh, playing football and enjoying football. That's the important thing, you know. That's what I, I'm looking for, enjoying football. And uh, that's uh, one thing that make me come here, you know. I know when you, you said that you played with Joe and it was at uh, Brunei DPMM and you also played yeah. with uh, Roy O'Donovan. How easy was that to come to Ireland for the first time, come to a new league where a former teammate of yours had, had such a big role in the club you were coming to? It was nice, you know. It's always a new... Uh, I play in, in many countries, you know, always trying a new, a different experience. As I already told, you know, everybody that I'm talking to and uh, this was a new thing for me and, you know, I just embracing it and trying to do my best. That's it, you know. Uh, to know Ireland uh, and uh, I knew that, that, that as, as you told, I knew Royal Donovan and John Gamble, you know, and I know how the Irish people are because of them and and I, I just want to come here because of them, that's it. I I know you've I know you've played around the world and looking at some of the teams you've played in Switzerland you've played in Iran Singapore yeah. obviously at home in Brazil and also in Indonesia. Yep. I know you're only in Ireland a short while, but from the game on Friday night, how does it compare to some of these leagues? Do you think it's a, a higher standard, a, a poorer standard? Of I suppose when you're scoring a hat trick, you will you might find it a, a little easier than in in some other places you've played. No, no, no. It's really high standard. You know, the pace of the game is much. Much faster than the place when I was playing, you know, uh, because I was in Asia. It's a little, the pace of the speed of the game is a little bit slower. It's, it's good quality, but uh, it's a little bit slow, slow pace. And here it's really fast, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm still adapting a little bit for, to that, you know. Of course, I scored a head trick. I had a really great night, you know, but, but, uh, to be honest, uh, they the 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 players other players a lot they helped me a lot you know with good crosses you know we had uh, two good wingers and okay the whole team but for me the two wingers you know they are really fast and they they can uh, cross the balls and uh, they can uh, assist me all the time that's really important for me that yeah. was uh, what happened you know I just wasn't the right time and uh, did my job you know I I had to be there and and stick inside the the, the net. And just before we let you go, Rodrigo, how did the atmosphere compare to the other countries where you have played? Oh, it was my first time here in, in Limerick, and uh, I really love it. The the, the the stadium, the I mean, the atmosphere. You know, the the Limerick fans—they are really amazing. They're really pushing us all the time, as in ninety minutes, and uh, I really love it here. You know, okay. it's really something else. Rodrigo, we're looking forward to seeing you this season. We're looking forward to seeing Limerick back at the market fields for the rest of the season. Uh, the very best of luck against Derry, which is your next game this weekend. OK, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks Rodrigo. To, to talk again with you guys. That was Limerick's hat-trick hero, Rodrigo Tosi, and you're listening here to Newstalk's SSC or Tristy League podcast with myself, Daniel Kelly. And me, Oshin Langan. What a bloody nice bloke. He certainly is a nice bloke, and he, he caused hell for Slugger over us on Friday night. I wonder if in six months' time... When we get him on again, will he be like Julio Giorgio, record Colombian signing? Do you remember that sketch? I certainly do not. Well, let me give you a reminder by playing you a clip here. Three games for Newcastle and three goals. You've just come out of the shower, you smell nice. No wonder you're the toast of Tyneside. Niola did zero, I didn't know about that. But of course, that's the lack of brilliant support from the lads, really. Like. And as you're all aware, we didn't uh, record the link into it and then drop that clip in later. 
Uh, because you're we ruining, do this start to finish. You're ruining the magic of radio, Shane. But see, you have to get it out of your head that this is radio. It's podcasting. Sorry, anyway, speaking of right. ruining magic, talk to me about Sligo's yeah, they failure, were, Dan, <laughs> on Friday night. And again, we're not patronising them. It was an yeah, utter and complete systems failure, it which really can happen. Uh, the team went back for pre-season training in the first full week of January. Yes. They looked absolutely clueless on Friday night. Clueless, they really did. Lacking in sharpness, clueless in game plan. How uh, clueless? Lacking in shape. They had no idea what they were at. Now, I have no issue with a team losing a game of football. The opening match last season, Sligo Rovers lost 2 0 to Shamrock Rovers, and I actually felt very upbeat leaving the showgrounds that night. The team played very well. Yeah. There was a, uh, they actually ended the game with nine men, but there was a lot of fight in the team, and there seemed to be a lot to look forward to. Friday night was genuinely frightening for a Sligo Rovers fan. There was very little to talk about. Matthew Stevens, who was one of the. Uh, signings in the off season came on. He scored a goal. He seems to have something about him. Even without the goal, there seemed to be a bit of an there seemed to be a bit of intent there, and he seemed to be dangerous up front. The team they did look fit, but players that played well last season looked lost on Friday night. Uh, it didn't help that uh, a lot of the uh, the fans were behind the goals and the manager. And I've noticed you saying this because it's all over the internet. The manager Dave Robertson ran straight for the dugouts, the far side of the pitch. After a 5-1 win, you'd expect the players, the man, the, even to just acknowledge the fans. He ran straight for the dugout, uh, for the tunnel. The players came over. Some of the uh, coaching staff came over. It's a very disappointing start. They played yeah. Dundalk now well, this weekend. Do you want Dave Robertson to give you platitudes or do no, you want I, him no, to be I, honest? I want him to be honest. So what's I'd, he supposed to do? Go to the crowd and wave and say, oh, sorry about that. No, but at least acknowledge what's happened. Well, I'm sure he's doing that in training, Dan. That's what a manager does. It's his job to manage the team, not to go over and wave at the crowd. I'm not saying going over and waving at the crowd, but I'm saying at least face up to what's happened. Yeah. Instead of heading straight for the dugout. I like Robertson. I've spoken to him plenty of occasions. We've spoken to him here in the podcast. He's a very nice man, but you need to face up to failings. And that was a complete systems failure on Friday night. And they played Dundalk now this weekend. And they could easily be uh, no points in two games and pro- there probably will because Dundalk were very impressive on Friday night well Damien Lynch formerly of St. Pat's we will talk to you about Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers because you were at that game we will talk to you about the games coming up this week but first what about Sligo Rovers how difficult is it to bounce back from a bad start like they have had have you ever experienced anything like that in your own career luckily enough no I, I didn't have any opening nights that were um, her- that bad I suppose the only one that I had was I think my first year with Paul Doolan in charge we were beating 3 0 in our first home game. Um, and there was actually a lot of pressure on us going into that game because I'd come from Bowes, Simon Webb had come from Bowes, and there was a few others involved as well, sort of bigger signings, as, as you would put it. And we were beating 3 0. And just on the night, we, we, we didn't get going, and it, it turned out to be uh, a horrendous first game of the season. But that's the worst that's ever happened to me. Luckily enough, though, we managed to go on and win our next two games, I think it was, after that. So it was something we recovered on very quickly. But I think, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the, that, that scoreline um, in terms of from Sligo's perspective. Um, from a Limerick, from looking at how Limerick went into the game, they were, I'm sure they were thinking, will we be able to get a win or get our first win under our belt and see how we go? But for them to, to win their first home game 5-1 in, um, in, their, in their home ground like that, it, it's an amazing result for them and can give them a real sort of head of steam now going forward. But from a Sligo perspective, straight away, the manager's under pressure, players are under pressure, they're looking towards the weekend now to make sure they need, they get certainly a point, if not three, to try and recover from that. Well, I'm glad you said they're looking for a point or three because their next game is against Dundalk on Saturday night. So that's not the easiest game. The club could easily find themselves behind the eight ball two games into the season and they could find uh, a gap developing there from the bottom of the table looking upwards. 
Well, that's it. Like, and, and that's why I often found a draw in your first game of the season isn't the worst thing. You get the points on the table and then, you know, you're going into the second game. If you were to lose your second game after getting the draw, at least you have a point on the board. But to, to be under such pressure, like I don't think anyone expected that 5-1 uh, result. And that just put, just puts so much pressure on them. You go into the Dundalk game now, they look like they're they're going to kick on. They look like they have a bit of hunger that... I heard some people were questioning their hunger. I don't think it's a question of hunger. I just think it's a question of possible fatigue for Dundalk. But they look like they were, they're were they back to some sort of form. So straight away, uh, Robertson could be under a bit of pressure there. And it's not an ideal start for, for Sligo when you think after the, the second half of last season, they looked like they were they turned it around. And going into this year, there was a lot of hope. And I think all the regional clubs were looking at it, probably looked at what Dundalk done and kind of say, you know what, if we can get a good run of games together over this year and get into European football, who knows what can happen. But straight away, if you lose to Dundalk, Sligo will be under severe pressure. You mentioned Dundalk there. You were at their game for Air Sport. They beat Shamrock Rovers 2-1. You said that maybe some had a question mark over Dundalk regards fatigue. But given the changes that they've made, some forced, some not so forced, was that kind of always an irrelevant point? And did they show that with their performance on Friday? Um, no, I... I, I Ocean, I really believe like doing it year after year after year is, is exceptionally hard, and particularly when some key players are, are leaving. So if you look at Gannon, Gartland, Dunn, uh, sorry, Barrett has been there, you've Matthew, Mountney, Benson, O'Donnell, all these lads have been there for, for a long time now, you know, and um, it's difficult to just keep going and going and going and going. And it, it is, it can tend to be a, a fatigue thing. Like you have to literally put your life on hold um, to be as successful as they are, and they're, they're willing to do that. But Doing it like four years in a row is very, very difficult. Um, so I think that's that's what I mean by possible fatigue in terms of, of that. But I just think having lost who they've lost because I think it was a point I made last Friday. When you look at Hoban a couple of years back, he was knocking in the goals and he looked phenomenal. Then he left and Tell stepped up and obviously we all know how good he was. Then Horgan steps up and, and he's been phenomenal um, and he's left now. I just don't think you can keep going back to the well to to, to replace that or replenish these top-class players were leaving. And I think Andy Boyle, above everyone, is probably the, the key loss for me for Dundalk this year because even though um, they looked okay at the back on Friday night, I think there's more challenges to come for them. And I think their, their centre-half partnership will just take a little bit of time to bet in. And um, I'm still not sure what their best centre-back partnership is, whether it's Gartland and Barrett or whether Hoare will be involved in that. So I think they'll be definitely in the top two. Um, as I've said already in uh, sort of preview in the league I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're second and corporate first but um, I've no doubt that Stephen Kenny if he gets them up to the top two this year it's a phenomenal achievement after the amount of players that they've lost or top quality players that they've lost Looking at it you mentioned there was players coming through Patrick McElhaney seems to be the one that a lot of Dundalk fans have put their hopes on for this season he had a, he had a good start on Friday night but as you said with the the shadow of Daryl Horgan looming over the club, it is it is very big boots to fill. Oh, massive, yeah, and it's not just Horgan. You towel as well there that was previous. But when you look at McElhenney, you you think of over the last year at Dundalk, he was he was a bit part player, and I don't, I don't mean that disrespectfully to him. I think he was either playing on the wing or he was coming on and he was playing in the middle of the park, or he was he was playing patches of games, whereas. Now, with all these big players having left, he is the main man now. And um, what my worry was, was he able to go and grab the game by the scuff of the neck? And, you know, if they're a goal down or if it's nil all and they need that bit of spark, has he got the, the willingness to go and, and do that and grab the game? 
And the other night, what I just really liked about him was there was all this pressure on him, but he just didn't look phased at all. And he mixed up his game quite a bit. He was able to stay on the ball, be exceptionally skillful. Um, but then at the same time, he was able to just pass the ball off, knowing when there was more pressure coming to him and there was people in better positions. So I think if you're Stephen Kenny, who I know for a fact has, has rated him as one of the best players he's ever worked with, um, Friday night has, has certainly bodes well for the rest of the season because he looked exceptionally uh, exceptional and... Um, he's probably the best player in the party one. What about Rovers? What do they need to do as they continue on over the season? Because there's a lot of expectation regards them given the talent they brought in. Yeah, it's an, it's an unusual one, Rashim. When you think about like the expectation on them, my expectation is that they'll finish in the top four. I, I don't think they'll get near the top two. Um, even with the exception of Ronan and Finn that they've brought in, Roberto Lopez for me isn't, isn't good enough to be a, a central midfielder in, in a top league winning side. Ryan Connolly in the centre of the park as well, the start of your night. Again, for me, not strong enough. I think you need better players in the middle uh, than them too because if you look at when Finn was in there with McAllister, they just looked like a different a different side. They were a lot more composed. They mixed it up a bit. Um, and then I, then I look at their centre-back partnership, you know, of Devine and Webster. I, I wasn't overly taken with them. A lot of inexperience there. So I think it's, the expectation for me, and I used to say there's a lot of expectation on them, I think the expectation for Shamrock Rovers should be finishing third um, and trying to challenge for the top two, but they certainly, for me, won't get near winning the league. One team we haven't spoken about a lot in the opening weeks of the podcast this year is St. Patrick's Athletic and they suffered a defeat to Bray on Friday night. Bray uh, seemed to be a great value for the win, but with St. Pat's, since they've won the league, they seem to have progressively gone downhill. They had a very poor season last year. What can we expect from Buckley's side this year? And like, does he even know himself what they can expect from the team? No, and I listened to reports leading up to the start of the season. You heard, um, I think it was Ian Birmingham talking about how they're, they're a fitter side this year. And any time someone mentions that, that just it's, a, it's an alarm bell going off in my head because that shouldn't even come into question whether you're fit or not. You know, it should be a standard that you get to a certain level of fitness, and that's not going to what's what's going to hamper you. Certainly, when you look at uh, Pat, a lot of them players are, are full-time uh, players. They're not. They're not working elsewhere. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be fit. Um, but what really worried me the other night was the two red cards. You know, in discipline already. Get two players getting sent off in the first game of the season. Now, what I will caveat: I didn't see the game. I haven't seen the um, the, the footage or anything like that yet. But I think they could they could really struggle this year. I think the Dublin clubs, with the exception of Shamrock Rovers, I think Bowles and Pat could really get left behind if they don't if they're not careful this year because as we've mentioned already, the, the regional clubs the Limericks the Corks Sligos these guys if they get it right they can get a bit of momentum and obviously we know Sligos in a bit of trouble already but I do think the likes of St. Pat's and Bowes could really struggle this year um, I look at who they brought in Curtis Byrne uh, Craig from Rovers there are they great players? Uh, I wouldn't say so they've been around the league I just, I just wonder will, will Liam be able to pull together that squad and get them in the right direction because there's certainly questions to be asked, uh, to be answered from them at the moment, and uh, I reserve my my judgment yeah. as of yet. But I do think that it could be an uphill season for them. I appreciate you didn't see the game on Friday night, but that's kind of irrelevant to my question. Where do they need to improve from last year, St. Pat's? What went so wrong for them last year? Um, well, I heard fitness. I, I like I, 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 I think it's a dressing room thing, and I know it's an easy thing to say. Um, I just look at them when they play. I don't see a unitedness in the group. Now, I, won, I know they won the League Cup last year. Um, but Liam Buckley, the way he set out his side, they're either free-flowing and fantastic or else they can look a little bit soft at times. So I, I think that 
they have to get the shape of their, their side right. In the middle of the park, I think Craig in the middle will be really, really important. And you do actually have a lot of experience there when you look at um, Conan Byrne in the squad. Curtis Byrne has been around the league and you've Christy Fagan. So I just think going forward, they're not bad. But if you look in the centre of the park, um, I know Graham Kelly came on the other night, who, young lad, um, with Billy Denny there, who's experienced as well. I just feel in the centre of the park, they really need to get that right because anytime Liam Buckley's sides were doing well, or I, I think back to Greg Bolter in, in the middle with uh, Killian Brennan. Um, Forrester was in there as well. That's That's where they... That's why they were so good because the way Liam Buckley sets up, they're free flowing. Yeah, because the Tracy thing didn't kind of work last year. He would have been the ideal man to fill in for Bulger, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't quite kind of spark. And I know it's it's it sounds like I'm blaming just one one guy, but it's an example of what you're saying. I think. Yeah, and like I know Lee Desmond has had spots in midfield as well. You have Sam Burden as well who comes in there. But which just for me, none of them are jumping out as, as yeah. players who are going to boss it in the middle of the park. And like I just I, I can't emphasize enough. Liam Buckley's style of playing is the getting the ball down, playing out from the back. It's, it's a very similar style to, to a Dundalk side, you know. But if you just don't have the good players who are good enough to do that, you'll just play yourself into trouble. Um, and Liam will set up to keep playing and playing and playing. And if you just get it wrong, you get the ball intercepted. And then what happen, What will happen in St. Pat's is they'll lose a bit of momentum. The crowds will be poor enough in there. So very quickly they could find themselves um, fighting an uphill battle. But as I said, I do. It's one game down. Let's not get carried away just yet. Um, most of these sides, if, if they can get a win next week, they're back in and everyone's saying looking onwards and upwards rather than the doom and gloom that I'm uh, talking about here. Damien, you've said let's not get carried away, but that's exactly what I'm going to do now. Looking at, uh, <laughs> looking, at Friday, uh, looking at Friday's fixture is obviously the standout game of Shamrock Rovers against Bohemians. Who's going into more pressure on the back of this game, Stephen Bradley or Keith Long? Um, good question. I would say Stephen Bradley. I think Keith Long, um, I've said it about the Dublin clubs, I think it's going to be a tough year for all the Dublin clubs. But if Stephen Bradley doesn't get three points on Friday night, that's a really disappointing start to the season. That's nothing out of six. And everyone talks about the project out in Shamrock Rovers and how they're trying to build on it, and, and rightly so. But let's just get one thing straight here. They are building for the future. They're not going to be winning titles. But I just don't think the Shamrock Rovers fans will agree with that. Um, yeah, th- that, like that, that's what I was going to say. Uh, they have they've brought in a lot of players. Obviously, Ronan yeah. Finn being the standout. They haven't won the league since that brilliant Europa League run, and the fans will get restless. Uh, like when will get they already no, are. But, no, but it's the start of the season. Yeah, like give them time to build. Not up. much time though. Give them time to build up. But like, sorry, Damien, you're the pundit, not me. No, sorry. but uh, I, I agree with you. Like, like the fans, the pressure is there. Happen. There's no patience out there. There will be absolutely no patience. But um, Keith Long's under a bit of pressure as well. Now, don't get me wrong, there's not a huge amount of expectation there. And um, the side that he has put out this year for the first game, you've the Derek Penders in there, have been around, Paddy Cavanaugh, Keith Ward, um, Dinny Corkins in there. So, you know, these guys are around the place. But looking at the game, if you're a neutral or from my perspective, Shamrock Rovers have to go and get three points. You know, if they need to be in the top three at a minimum this year, um, and that's that. Like I'm saying, third place this year, they have to come third because I, I really don't see them catching Cork or uh, or Dundalk. But to get to third place, you can't afford to drop points this early in the season against the the, the, the rivals uh, like Bohemians. So for me, it's three points for for Shamrock Rovers, or else Stephen Bradley will start to come under pressure. Okay, Damien. Just before we let you go, we've saved the toughest question for last. Who do you prefer, Dan and I? Or Daniel O'Donnell, Daniel MacDonald, sorry. <laughs> that was a non-deliverance <laughs> lag. And Johnny Ward. You have to choose one. 
So definitely like Daniel O'Donnell. He's my, he's my favourite. Uh, <laughs> You've been cheating on us with other podcasts, Damo. I can't believe I this. Have, I have. I know. Um, again, I'm not going to jump to a conclusion just yet. Is that okay, O'Shea? We'll, right. we'll give it a few weeks and yeah. see how we get on. We're both, we're both under pressure at the start of the season. <laughs> exactly. Listen, Damien, as always, great to hear from you on this podcast or any other. And it was great to see you as well on TV on Friday night. By the way, a great production by Air Sport. I mean, it, 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 did, did you enjoy it? Because it, it looked really well put together. It looked like um, something that, that it just kind of it worked, didn't it? Yeah, you know, it sometimes worked. you watch a TV production, and you just look at it and you go, that worked. Even with the extra time reporters at the end, it was a nice touch. And yeah. it, just seemed to be a, it just seemed to be a great production in general. Yeah, no, it's really enjoyable working with the lads in there. You know, they've, they've put a lot of work into getting these games on. And, you know, even pre the, the week leading up to the game, um, you know, Chris Blake and the lads put, put a huge amount of prep into it. So, yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it on, on Friday. And I just hope more more to come, you know, um, being able to cover such a big game like that and then get the, a roundup of the grounds. I just think it's a, it's a nice touch in terms of um, how it went. So, yeah, more of the same, fingers crossed. Yeah, and they're on again the weekend after next with uh, either Drogheda, Cork City or Cork City, Drogheda. I can't remember who's a home or who's away. Uh, Drogheda, Cork City. That's in uh, two weeks, so uh, Friday week. So yep. yeah, I'm going to head to Drogheda this weekend to do a bit of scouting and see what they look like this season. Okay, come on. Damien Lynch, thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast. Damien Lynch there sounding the happiest I've ever heard him speak on a League of Ireland podcast yeah I don't know if he does any other podcasts he certainly doesn't to the best um, of my knowledge but um, I don't think they can make him happy like we can no certainly not like he's just one of the voices of the league he does uh, excellent coverage on what? Air Sport Air Sport thank again, you again Dan we have no problem with Air Sport on TV it's, it's Air Sport podcast that we don't like their audio versions you know what it's not that we don't like them we fear them yeah we do we fear change we fear what is different we We're like GA Congress. We fear, <laughs> we fear a challenge. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to say. You know the way you hear athletes say, "No, no, I relish a challenge. It makes me better." I don't. It means I have to work yeah. harder. Yeah. Thanks for it nothing. Means, it means thanks like for, thanks for nothing, Dan and Johnny. It means we have to put an effort into this podcast more than we more than we do currently. And Darren and Jamie. Yes. And whoever does the extra time one. Yes, the sportscast. Is that what it's called? Yes, that's what it's called. I, no, I have listened to it. I just, you know, when you listen to something, you just don't catch the name. The name of it. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm aware that I sounded massively disrespectful. That's because I was being massively disrespectful. Will we move on to the first vision? Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> before speaking about massively be, before disrespectful, we talk, before we, before I talk my way into a situation at a press box, a standoff, perhaps yes. that I can't get out of. Ocean first division. Let's talk about that. Colin Fortune for the very first time. Welcome along to News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast. Thanks very much, Machine. Um, great to be on board. Yeah, great to have you. And um, great to be talking to you about something positive regards at Loney. You've had your issues over the last couple of years, but a surprise 1-0 win on Friday night against Waterford, who were odds-on for promotion. Well, I say a surprise. It's maybe a surprise to everyone outside of Athlone. Was it a surprise to you? Um, yeah, and no, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, it definitely wasn't a surprise to us. We've, we've prepared very well, so we, we did in pre-season and... We're definitely, I said to the players, we're definitely not here to make up the numbers in the league this year. You know, we've had our difficulties in the past, but um, as I said, we prepared well. Uh, we were looking forward to the game, and it was a super result. Talk to us about the actual match itself, how it played out, because Cross's goal came late on. So was it a case of you hung on and caught them on the break, or was it a case of you actually created chances and looked like scoring? What kind of game was it? It was a very, very strange game, actually, because... Waterford were a bit of an unknown to me. They've, they've signed a lot of new players recently, and a couple of the players wouldn't have known they wouldn't have been around the league before. 
So they're a bit of an unknown. So we had a game plan to sit in and just let's see what they're about. So for the first opening 15, 20 minutes, we sat in. We were nice and compact. We let them have the ball. And then um, they had a lot of possession without really hurting us. And the game kind of opened up then. And I think our players got a bit of confidence then when they got a bit more possession on the ball. And it was a 50-50 game. And it definitely wasn't a case of, you know, defending for 89 minutes, one break and score a goal. I think over the course of the game, I think we had definitely the better chances throughout. And listen, we won we won 1-0, but I, I believe it could have been 2 or 3. And to quote five, baby, when the lights go out, you had a few floodlight <laughs> issues before the game. Um, how did that affect things? Did that kind of add to the, the strangeness of the game that you've mentioned? It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a nice situation. But for on, on both parties, you know, both both teams are looking forward to the start of the league. We've appeared so well, you know, and fifteen minutes before the game, bloody flood, floodlight failure. Yeah, it was. It wasn't nice. We our, our pre season our training was done, our warm up was done. No, we were preparing for the game and bang, electricity lights go out. Have you it was, it was, have you figured out what happened yet? There was a, a part, apparently there was a there was a trip in the in the in the main circuit breaker, and then what happened was there was too much power going to it, so they just had to rejig a few things around and all okay, thank God. Well, that's good, and, and the game went on. Come here, talk to me about your squad because it's been an unusual pre-season. You've got a lot of guys coming in from Portugal, some from France. Tell me how this is happening. Tell me where this came from, and and tell me where it's going. Yeah, um, the club haven't made an official statement yet on this. But people realise, people see it. Now we do. We have a bit of investment from from um, a Portuguese guy, and he has contacts across the league with players in various clubs, and we've we've invited a lot of players over to see would would, would they like to come over to Ireland and. Maybe learn English, get a part-time job, get a full-time job, and uh, try to set up life for themselves over here. And we've brought in a par- we've brought in eleven players over the course of pre-season training. We've registered five of them that are with us, and um, they're good lads. They're good lads. They're uh, no problem uh, communication-wise. Not they're good. They're fairly good English, but um, it's, it's a strange one in the dressing room. But they're, they're mixing well. They're mixing well with the guys, and the guys are taking them, taking them in, and showing them the ropes. But um, it's, it's all positive on at the one side. Yeah, uh, that was going to be my next question about the the uh, communication methods. You're mm-hmm. saying with, with the players coming in that there isn't as big a language barrier as some people may think from outside. No, there's not. All all the eleven lads that came in at the start, they all know English. They're all okay. able to speak English. Uh, there is a bit of transparency, transparency say, in, in, in the meaning, maybe. But um, we're able to speak English. We're able to get our points across. and No problems in dressing room whatsoever. We were a bit apprehensive at the start. What way it would work? What Would we be able to get our points across to these guys? But uh, listen, they're, they're, they're fine. There's no issues whatsoever. And I think that showed Friday night. Four of them started Friday night and were very, very good. We brought another one in. And, you know, it didn't upset the, didn't upset the squad at all. You know, they've added to us. They're, they're they're big, strong lads with a bit of experience as well. So, no, it's all good and all positive. Ahead of the season, many people were saying that the league was looking like a two-horse race between Waterford and between Longford Town. This may sound like a, a silly question on the back of a brilliant 1-0 win on the up night of the season, but a win against Waterford, could that be one of the worst things that happens to Athlone that automatically you come into everyone's head, uh, into the other seven teams' head, where they may be taking... 
uh, they may be taking that loan for granted and not know exactly what they're expecting but if uh, if, if you beat Waterford on the opening night for example now Wexford this weekend will know they're in for a tough game and maybe tougher than they had originally planned for yeah no that's, that's a fair point that's a fair point uh, yeah a lot of people are saying it's a two horse race alright but um, I'd probably agree to that and then all the others are not too far away but ourselves and all the other managers to be fair there's a lot of homework done leading up to leading up to matches and other managers and other clubs that know know our players and that know our club, and we've we've made some decent signings in the off season. You know we've had a lot of kids last season, and it was a struggle. But we, with this season, we've added one or two players that we wanted to get in, and, and other clubs see that, and other players see that, and they realise. Listen, we're 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 not what we were last year. You know we're not going to be any whipping boys this year. We we'll we'll be dogged. We'll be game. We'll give we'll give all teams a a, a good game, but um. Yeah, no, it, 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 we we were surprised by the result of the weekend, as I said earlier, and uh, other clubs won't be wouldn't have been surprised either seeing their team sheet. Once we have eleven fit, once we have a, a strongest eleven fit, we'll be strong. Going back to the players you brought in, you talked about it there. You said that you've got a Portuguese investor, and that's maybe the connection there. Can you tell us a bit about him, what his aims are, and how you've kind of. Um, worked with the guys that have come in and how much control you have on that because sometimes as a manager in the modern game you have to work with what you're given rather than what you want rather than guys you've asked for No, that, that's 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 true it, I'm a bit restricted in what I can say at the minute in relation to uh, the investor and, and his, his goals and where he's trying to go unfortunately that's going to have to come from the press officer within the club and that, I know there will be a statement very very soon on that I can't talk in a football matters the players wise and that I've, I've, I've. What we've done at the start was, the, there's a guy, there's a guy working with the investor that's, that's in that losing that loan, and I've given him a list of what positions yeah. I'd be looking to fill, and he's gone out and he's brought in players for them particular positions, and we've either say yes if they're better than what we have, yeah, we'll we not answer, but if they're not better than what we have, you know, we 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 look elsewhere. But full control of the playing side of teams comes from me. I, I have full control over I'm the manager. Yeah. You know, I, I, I we do have coaches in, but I control the football side of things. And I still answer the, the chairman John Hayden, you know, who has full control of it. So really football inside things haven't changed too much. It's just that we've we've access now to a few players that we didn't have before, which is massive for the club. Massive because the players around Ireland they're they're expensive to get. Yeah. When a club like Atlone don't have the have the finances to, to match other say League of Ireland clubs, we need to look elsewhere and that's what we've done. And we've been very, very lucky that we have a fellow that's that wants to come in and wants to wants to get involved and wants to help out and wants to see Atlone do well. And that's good. Um and I know you live and breathe Atlone. You've played for the club, you're you're managing the club, you've brought them through tough times. But can you understand why maybe fans would be a bit concerned with the mystery element of all this? A hundred percent, I do. You know, and I'm, I know he wants it to remain anonymous for some reason. Yeah. Okay. But I know they've, they've been talking recently, and I know there will be a statement fairly soon as to what direction the club is going and what, exactly what 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 he's going to bring to the club. This investor. Yeah. Do you very much want to stay involved with this investor? I mean, have you had that conversation yet, Colin? Because it's it's a strange it's a strange thing at the moment where. No one's quite sure where There's this investment is coming. There, yeah. you, yes. 
Yeah, listen, people are, even the word investment is, is a bit false yeah. because he's not coming throwing loads of money at it. You know, there's not, there's not going to be loads of money and we're going to sign 400 players from around Europe, top players. That's not going to happen. What he's doing is trying to stabilise the club. He'll supply funds where funds are needed. Like our preparation, our, our pre-season training, all the gear we want is there for us. You know, best of training facilities, you know, top us is going to matches, we'll be fed properly before matches, after matches. That's the type of investment we're talking about. Yeah. You know, whereas before it was a struggle for Athlone even to get, you know, with all due respect, food before matches, food after matches, you know, decent buses, proper key training gear, proper training facilities, it all costs money. Yeah. And this guy, there's no issue with this guy. It's all there. It's all there yeah. for the players. It's yeah, you, you, you can understand the concern. And look, it's great that, that you guys are getting what you need from your new investor. It's great for Waterford as well because Athlone and Waterford are two great footballing entities and they're clubs that the league needs and I think people are glad to have them whether they're from mm. Athlone or Waterford or wherever. And look, I don't know if you listen to this regularly but I'm a Cork City fan and I saw what happened yeah. when we had the excitement of a new investor and then the collapse of the club because the investor just on a whim pretty much pulled out. So th- that would be, I guess, the fans' worry. Yes. No, and I, I, I share that worry. I do. I was a bit apprehensive at the start, you know, when I'm hearing all of this. But listen, one of one of the main things about this is the club still have full control over this. You know, the the club the club hold the key. The, once you have control over the club and what happens within the club, that's the important thing. It's when you hand over control of the club set or a percentage of control to the club. That's when I think you're in trouble because he can kind of do what he wants then. Because at the minute he can't, he's, he, he has to go in line to the goals we're setting and where we as a club want to go. And we, we want to bring that going down to Premier Division football. We want to stabilise the club. We want to have an academy that's, you know, second to none in the country. We're, we're on a road to that. We want a, a conveyor belt of young players coming through to play with our first team. Good local players and surrounding areas. You've said there. That, oh, sorry, you, sorry for interrupting. You said there that the plan is to bring the team back to the Premier Division. Is that yes. is that the plan for this season, or is this a longer term plan? Listen, it's not going to happen overnight. Okay. It would be great if it happened this season, but realistically, we we haven't a squad to, to compete with the Waterfords or the or the Longford yet. We're built. We you know we're building foundations. We have young players there. We are very young players. We're going to give them experience in another season or two in the league. We're going to try to add to whatever, you know, during the season. If we did get, if we were in the in the running this season, great. But this is a long term thing. It's not it's not a short term fix, you know, for one season down for ten. You know, we're not yeah. doing that. We're looking to the build to get there, and then we're, we want to be sustain. We want to be able to stay there. Okay, but I think that's the important thing. Listen, Colin, we really appreciate you taking the time. We know it's a kind of a strange thing to talk about at the moment regards the ownership, but it's a good thing to talk about uh, the win at the weekend, a, a good win over Waterford, and we wish you the best of luck against uh, Wexford this weekend and uh, for the season ahead. It's been a real pleasure uh, speaking to you, Colin. Thank you. Thank you, Wishing. You're listening to Newstalk's SSA or Tracy League podcast. And Oshin, Athlone Town seems to be a very fascinating story for the next 27 league games this year. In some ways, we learned a lot from Colin. In other ways, we learned a little. Now, he it does, wasn't like he, he was being yeah, facetious. He, he actually kind of wanted to tell us. He was very open, but he does seem yeah. to have his hands tied in a way about, about what can be what can be said in public. Exactly. Genuinely, he doesn't seem to know all the information that he should. That's not yes. a s- slight on him. Uh, but 
there are probably things he does know that he, he can't pass on at the moment and yeah. it's a tough situation for him as we said in that he is at loan through and through sure. so whatever but he does he does for the best of the club he's not he's not doing it for Colin Fortune even speaking to him there he does seem confident that all this will come out sooner rather than later and I'd say for the Athlone Town fans who've had a very tumultuous season last yeah. year they'll want to get clarity as soon as possible but if they keep on winning on the pitch yep. they won't complain now obviously it's spent most of its time being a first division venue Lissy Woolen so I've never been there I've <laughs> got a first division game it's always been a first division venue has it? yeah did they not get up to the Premier under Roddy? oh you may be right yeah, I may just have egg in you're my face clown. I am that, do you know who that would never happen to? Richie I was going to say Dan and Johnny. <laughs> <But> Richie too. <laughs> we can't slag them too much because yeah. Daniel McDonnell will be on Off the Ball's League of Ireland a bit on, on Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that would never happen to them, Dan. They would have known straight away. Just goes to show Dan doesn't care about the First Division. Will we do the fixtures? Uh, yes, we will. We'll start with the Premier League because obviously that's way more important than the First Division. Uh, Shamrock Rovers take on Bowes at 7.30 on Friday night. Uh, let's hope we're talking about only football. You know what I mean and you know who you are. If you ruin this game, I will come after you. Actually, I should probably say I, I'm not threatening violence. I, yeah. I mean, I will just come after say you. things about you on the podcast. I won't actually physically come after you. Um, Bray take on Finn Harps. That's at 7.45 on Friday. Cork City take on Galway United and Turner's Cross. Derry meet the best team in the league, Limerick. That's according to Kenny Shields. And Drogheda take on St. Pat's. Those all Friday Top night games. Top of the games. table clash. That's right, Jess. 7.45 kickoff for all of those games, except the game in Tala, which is off at 7.30. I presume that's on RTE, is yes, it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's RTE this week. Okay, grand. On Saturday night, Sligo Rovers take on Dundalk again with the 7.45 kickoff. In the first division, there are four games, three on Friday night. At half six, the early half six, it is Wexford FC against Athlone Town in Ferry Carrick Park. That's the first game there in Ferry Carrick Park for the newly created Wexford FC. So it'll be a, a historic night there in the <laughs> Wexford venue. At some is it, is it, that's like when my parents got me a new goldfish and said it yeah. was the old goldfish. <laughs> At 7.45 in the UCD Bowl. Waterford did is, the same, by the way. It's, uh, and Cork City <laughs> did the same as well, Like to be fair. Like, they're not the first people to do Loads this. Of, everyone has done yeah, it. Everyone has done it. And you know what? In if the rule is there, yeah. use of course. It, of course. Uh, so a historic night in Ferry Carrick Park. <laughs> In the UCD Bowl at 7.45, it's UCD against Shelburne and Waterford looking for their first win in the RSC. And their first game in the RSC, take on Cabin Teeley at 7.45. One game on Saturday night, it's in the City Calling Stadium in Longford. Half seven, Longford Town against Cove Do you know the way I was telling you I have never been to the Marcus Fields? Yes. And I, I never went to Limerick much as a kid. Okay. Um, and I always had a thing against Limerick until relatively recently when I started doing a lot of Munster games and various other uh, sporting bits down there, including hurling. You know why I had a problem with it? Because Waterford never got to the Gaelic Grounds. Well, Waterford always struggled at the Gaelic Grounds. Okay. I never remember a good Waterford hurling performance in the Gaelic Grounds. But the real reason is, and I'm thinking of it because I mentioned my parents and pets, it brought back a memory. I should really be lying down for this. Yeah, you should. Uh, but basically, when I was a kid, Dan, you'll be shocked to hear I was a bit of an odd child. Really? And my best friend was not, in fact, a human. It was a Labrador dog called okay. Kunak, which is Kunak. Rus- yeah, Russian for friend. So anyway, um, <laughs> Kunak, so Kunak, oh yeah. <laughs> Kunak wasn't well. Kunak got very, very ill. And my parents had to bring it into the vet in Dungarvan. We're from just outside Dungarvan in County Waterford. And they sent him to Limerick afterwards? No. Okay. No. Um, the Great well, Farm kind of, Yes, basically, they had to put the dog down. Oh, right. okay. They said he was too fat. <laughs> I'm only messing. They literally put the dog down. Um, but they couldn't. They, they were trying to figure out how to tell me this. Yeah. They were like, you know, his brother and sister will be fine. They'll get over it. They were older than me. Uh, and but, but this could devastate him. And they weren't worried about me. They were just worried about having to deal with that, obviously. But anyway, 
they told me that the dog was sent to Limerick to a dog hospital. Mm-hmm. And the reason they picked Limerick is because we never went to Limerick. Okay. We went to Dublin the odd time. You went to but Cork. But we never, yeah, went to Cork the odd time, yeah. went to Waterford, went to Clonmel, but never went outside the southeast in Dublin, basically. So they said, right, well, he never goes to Limerick. And he never will. And what would take him to Limerick? Yeah. So I was told, dog hospital in Limerick. And they kept the story going for three weeks, right? Not quite as long as the Katie O'Brien story in Fair City, but they kept it going. Actually, maybe Kunak is in a small room yeah. being held by Kieran somewhere. But anyway, um, in the end, they said, yeah, yeah, Kunak went to sleep. And Kunak, Kunak never kind of woke up. R.I.P. Kunak. Yeah. But look, my point is, is I'm over that now and yeah. I'm ready to go back to Limerick. The Marcus Fields at some stage. Of course, they're, they're away this week against Derry. So, so on that sombre note. On that sombre note. Was my, was my microphone up enough this week? Um, well, I'm sure the people logging on, the listeners, do we call them listeners, listeners when it's a yes. podcast? No, we'll call do them Do we call listeners. them loggers honours? Listeners. I think the listeners are there. Yes. The fans. You the fans. Not of the podcast, of the league at large. We're just a, a proxy of that. Yes. Okay. From him. Daniel Kelly. On Twitter at Ismisha Daniel, and from me, Oshin Langan, on Twitter at Oshin Langan. Uh, we will talk to you next week when maybe Richie will come back. Although I'm led to believe he's posing as a Portuguese businessman at the moment. Uh, he was. In around the I Midlands. saw him on Twitter last night. Apparently, he was one of the producers in La La Land and had to tell yeah. Moonlight that they won. I think that's a joke because Richie and the producer, whose name I have no idea, and to us, I don't really care. They're both follicly. Yeah, you didn't really think this joke. They're through, both follically challenged. You know what that was, Dan? Fake news. It's funny because that's what Donald Trump says. Okay, they're both follically challenged. Okay. Come back, Richie. We miss you. I think this had a good start. Okay, middle, but a poor ending. We'll work on it. Richie will improve that when he comes back. Uh, this one was for Kunak. See you later. Bye-bye. Who's going to drive you home? <laughs> you're a horrible man. <laughs> Who's going to tell you when? It's too late. Home tonight.